Hi there again. So we're in, uh, in the middle of a series on the good news. Last week, Guy Miller was here uh, as a guest speaker, and he was telling us what the good news was, and he was showing us and embarrassed a few of us by helping us to see how the good news of Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in and through Jesus Christ, resolves the big issues of life. That was the what. What is the good news? It's the, it's the wonderful thing that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That was the what. But what about the why? What about the why? Children ask a lot of whys. Zara and Richard and Hannah are going to find that out. Children ask lots of why questions. What they're doing is it's a really healthy thing. They're, they're trying to find out about the world around them. They're trying to find out, well, what's this about? Why that? And so on and so on. It's a very, very healthy thing. A five-year-old girl was asking her father, why is the sea so big? I don't know, the father said. Then she said, well, why is it so cold today? He had no idea. Couldn't offer her anything. Then she said, Dad, why are you a bus driver? To which he had no good answer at all. And then she said, why is my brother always so mean to me? And again, he had nothing to offer. So she said, Dad, you don't mind me asking all these questions, do you? And he said, no, of course not, darling. How are you going to learn if you don't ask? <laughs> he had nothing to offer her at all. Now, there's a guy by the name of Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek is a speaker and a sort of consultant on leadership. And he says we should all start with being able to answer our own why question. Not just the what question, not even just the how questions, but the why questions. Those, he says, are the really big questions. And he said very, very few people or, or, people or organizations know why they do what they do. That's a fairly provoking question. Do you know why you do what you do? Not just what you do or how you do it. The why question is a really, really big one. And in this series on the good news, my conviction is that we need to know the why of mission, the why of the good news, not just what it is. We need to know why. We need to know this. Why is the gospel such good news? And why should we engage in helping others to know about Jesus. So that's what we're going to do for the next five weeks. We're going to investigate some answers to the why mission, the why good news question. And we're going to answer it in these five ways. We're going to answer it with heaven and hell, with election, with the beauty of God, with the great commission, and today with the glory of God. So it's not a light series, you'll notice but it will be really, really helpful for us. As we increasingly become a church who are convinced about the good news, the why of the good news, and want people to know about our amazing Savior. Because that's the kind of church we want to be, isn't it? Right, let's read a few verses from Philippians chapter 2. It's a very famous passage, and I'm jumping in, where it's like there's a hymn of praise to Jesus who was always God and has lowered himself and become obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the result in verse 9 of Philippians chapter 2 is this. Therefore, because of all that he did, God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, we should know our why question. Here, here is arguably the greatest, the biggest, the most profound why question of all. Why does anything exist? Or more personally, why do you exist? Why does Hudson exist? Why does Joshua exist? And here's that question phrased as a what in a very famous catechism, a way of question and answer teaching people about the Christian faith. It went like this. What is the chief end of man? What's the chief point of man? What's the purpose of man? Let's face it, that is the big question, isn't it? That's the question everybody wants an answer to. That's the question everybody in the church and outside the church, everybody in society wants to discover what is the point of me being here? What is the point of anything? What is the point of mankind at all? And here's the answer that that ancient catechism gave. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, the glory of God is consistently communicated in the Bible as the point of anything and everything. Now, you may not have thought of it in these terms before, but this is the consistent message. As you read through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, the point of anything and everything is the glory of God. It's the big why? And just in the New Testament, you get things like this. I'll rattle a few off for you. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Big things, small things, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Elsewhere, you read this in the New Testament. To God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And then you get lots of other little statements Usually, I'm usually at the end of something that go like this. To him be glory forever and ever. Another, to him be the glory forever. Another, to him be glory both now and forever. Another one, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. You get the point. The Bible is trying to tell us, which I'll explain in a minute, that the point of anything, the point of everything, the point of the universe, the point of you is the glory of God. And we had that here in our reading in Philippians chapter 2, because it ended like this. All that Jesus Christ has done in lowering himself and being raised and exalted to the glory of God the Father. So have you ever wondered, what is the point? I wonder if you've wondered that this week. I wonder if there's something happening or has happened in life that has just left you thinking, what is the point? The point is the glory of God. And the first answer to what's the point of mission is the glory of God. So what do we mean by God's glory? Well, glory in English is a translation of the, of the Greek New Testament word doxa. And it means worth. It means weight. 
It means reputation. And to glorify something means to give appropriate worth and honor to something because of the value that you hold it in. Glory is to do with weight and worth and reputation, how vastly you see something. It's a word, I've noticed it a few times in the last week, believe it or not, maybe because I was preparing this. I've noticed it a few times. On the BBC website, there was this program being advertised. Gold Rush, our race to Olympic glory. Looking back to the Olympics in 2012 in London, it was basically saying this was our path to becoming amazing as athletes. That's what it was kind of saying. There was another another program advertised about Billy Connolly called Made in Scotland. And the subtext was Billy Connolly's life revealed in all its glory, which I'm not sure was necessarily glorious, perhaps. You could argue about that. But what they're saying is, here's the best bits. Here's the amazing stuff about Billy Connolly. Last Saturday, I was at AFC Bournemouth. First time I'd ever been there. Um, and it was great, really good atmosphere in there. I know, Simon, you go there a lot. It's quite a, an atmosphere. I, heard you, I saw you jumping around like a lunatic um, supporting the team. Anyway, I was there last week. And those fans, I mean, they're mad. They're pretty crazy. They're jumping about, they're singing. What are they doing? They're glorying in their team. They're saying, we are the best. And at the minute, Bournemouth are way up the top of the league. So they can kind of say that in their division, we're the best, we're amazing. They're glorying in their team. And of course, is there anyone a Man United supporter here? Dare you admit it in a minute? You're very brave. You four people, very brave. Actually, yesterday wasn't so bad, was it? So you, you can, last week you wouldn't have put your hand up, would you? No, absolutely. Anyway, yesterday wasn't such a bad result. And their famous song, of course, is... Glory, glory, Man United. Glorying in the magnificence of their team. So the glory of God, what's meant by that? What's meant is this. The glory of God is his worth, his beauty, his perfection, his magnificence. The weight that we attribute to him, the vastness that he has in our estimation. And however clearly you currently see his glory, there is more. He is more than. See, his glory is known in his love, but he's more loving than you could ever imagine. His glory is known in his holiness, that he is completely distinct from everything else in the universe, but he's more holy than you dare imagine. His glory is revealed in his wisdom that he does everything perfectly and has never erred. But he's more wise than you ever would possibly have imagined. His glory is known in his mercy, but he's more merciful than you ever dared hope. The reason for life, according to the Bible, is to see and admire and make much of the supreme greatness and worth of God. He is glorious. The glory of God is his essential being. That he is the center of everything. That he is the most magnificent thing. That whatever else you might attribute worth to and value to and time to and energy to, it pales into insignificance in regard to him who is full of glory, splendor, worth, magnificence, weight 
if you like. Or to put it another way, Rick Warren wrote a best-selling book called The Purpose Driven Life. And the first line in that book was the best line. The first line in that book was a very short line. It said, it's not about you. Understanding something of the glory of God is to know that it's all about him. It's not about me. It's all about him. It's a humbling and yet a freeing statement that reminds me that life, the universe, and everything are not about me. It's all about him. And it's why, I would argue, our society's focus, relentless focus on it is all about you. That's all our society's got to offer, don't you think, sometimes? I seriously think that sometimes. All it's got to offer is, Madam, let me tell you, it is all about you. Be whatever you can be. Be you. Sir, it is all about you. Be all that you can be. Don't let anything get in the way, because it's all about you. But it's an absolute cul-de-sac, because we were created, and the universe was designed such that it works best even for us when God is at the center of it. If you put you at the center of your world, it will backfire. It is an absolutely lost cause, and it is the message that we are being sold every day. If you have a child under the age of 18 or maybe 21, they are being sold this lie every single day aggressively. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Be what you want to be. Don't let anyone get in your way. You decide who you are. You decide what you want to be. You decide the rules of play in this life. And it absolutely backfires because God has set this world up and he has set human beings up that only when we put him at the center does life really work. That's how he's designed it. Don't fall for the lie that's going on In this world. So the writers of the Psalms frequently say things like this Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Acknowledge that it really is about him, that he really is magnificent, that he is the point of everything, that there's no one like him. They say things like this Declare his glory among the nations. Or what about this one? This is helpful in working out how to glorify God. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. To which I just think, yes, of course. If he is the greatest, the one who will truly bring life wherever he goes, if he is glorious, magnificent, supreme, worth more than anything else, what else would we do except, come, let's magnify the Lord together. And you can magnify something in two ways. You can magnify things like a microscope or a telescope. See, a microscope magnifies something tiny by focusing on it and making it bigger than it really is. You can magnify like a microscope. Or you can magnify like a telescope. So in contrast, a telescope focuses on something absolutely vast and helps us to see what it really is. It's the opposite of a microscope. Here's one picture from the Hubble telescope. I mean, I have no idea what that is. 
Maybe there's a scientist in the house who can tell us. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot begin to imagine how big that is. You cannot begin to imagine how big that is. But a telescope helps us get something of it. It helps us begin to grasp something of the enormity because with our normal eye, that just looks like, well, I, is there anything there? Is there anything there? I cannot possibly even imagine if someone told me how many times bigger than the earth that was, I wouldn't be able to begin to grasp it at all. But a telescope magnifies by taking something vast and helping me to see it when I wouldn't normally be able to do so. Here's the point in this good news series. Here's, here's the first and foremost why of mission. Why the good news? It's this. The reason the church exists is to call to one another and to call to the world. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. God would want us to be like a telescope, bringing into view what people cannot normally see, the vastness of God. You see, God, most people consider that the Christian church is using a microscope. It's like it's taking something tiny. Does God matter at all? Is he even there? Well, I don't know, but those crazy people, it's like a microscope. They're just trying to enlarge something and make something of something that's hardly even... Is he even there? We're meant to be like a telescope, helping people who cannot see what is out there, see the mighty, all-extraordinary God and bring him into view. We like to be, to be like telescopes. You see, this is... Such good news. I can't, I can't do justice to it. It's like trying to do justice to that picture. I can't do that justice. I cannot do justice to how good this good news is. The sad thing is that people don't know about it. See, God is very beautiful, but not many people have discovered that yet. If you ask the average person in the street, how, good, how beautiful do you think God is? They would not be able to compute your question. But God is very beautiful. He's glorious. But not many people have discovered that yet. There were two, I was listening to the news first thing in the morning a few weeks ago. They usually have eight or ten headlines, I think, something like that, on the news headlines. And um, two, two out of those eight or ten headlines were damning about the church broadly. One of them was about, uh, the, about a Catholic church investigation in France, which had found, I mean, I am horrified to even be mentioning it, found an unbelievable scale of abuse in the Catholic church in France. I'm not, by the way, trying to have a dig on the Catholic Church. It's just shocking and horrifying. No wonder people can't see the glory of God when sometimes the church gets in the way. The very same morning, the next headline was one about the, the awful treatment in the convents in, uh, that happened in Ireland last century where young mothers were shamed and disgraced and had their babies taken away. It was utterly disgraceful. God is very beautiful, but not many people know it. 
Church, we have a responsibility amongst the whole church in the world to show God is beautiful. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Look how wonderful he is. And to rid out these horrific abuses that color and mar and hide his glory. In my other church in Torquay, after Alpha, we used to run something called Alpha Plus, which was those who, who were still interested or those who'd come to faith uh, would carry on their journey of finding out more about Jesus. And one evening, we watched a DVD called Indescribable. It's a program by Louis Giglio, who is showing the vastness of the universe and try, trying to help people grasp something of how big it is and just how vast and glorious God might be. There was one lady who was there that evening, and it completely wrecked her view of God. She had this idea of God as this white, bearded, old guy sitting somewhere in the sky. She wasn't silly. That was her view. Let me tell you, that's the view that many have. And this video completely shattered her view from this tiny God who it's a bit like you need a microscope to blow up to see something of him and turned instead to get the telescope out and see, oh my word, how vast God is, how glorious he is, how beautiful he is. You see, Jesus is a wonderful saviour, but not many people know that. And peace and contentment can only truly be found when you center yourself on the one who is the center of everything. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You see, it's not just that we should tell people about Jesus It's that this ultimate treasure, this ultimate worth, this ultimate beauty is ours to share. I realized a little while ago, this is my moment of confession, I'm not proud of it at all. I realized not long ago that I don't really care about my neighbors, which wasn't a very good realization. But it's better to know the truth than not. I just had this moment in conversation with someone else that I'm obviously not very bothered about them. See, I might think I haven't got enough time for them. It might be your work colleagues in your case, or your family, or your friends who don't know Jesus yet. I realized it about my neighbors, that I actually wasn't very bothered about them, and I felt very convicted about that and need to do something about it. But I've realized this. My greatest failing in that regard is not in not caring about my neighbors, but not in caring enough about the glory of God that they might know and see his worth and his value and how magnificent he is. The glory of God is the first and primary point of why mission. See, my neighbors don't just need forgiving. Your friends, your family, your work colleagues don't just need forgiving. The gospel offers this. It offers a way to see the point of everything. The point of everything is God. That is what we have to offer in the gospel. So my hope for me, 
My hope for us is that we might become a people who've seen something so wonderful, so glorious, that we can't help but point to him and say, come with me, come. Let us exalt his name together. Come with me. Look at his beauty. Look at how magnificent he is. Look how loving he is. Look how he is nothing like you thought he was. Because God's glory is most perfectly seen in the gospel. God's glory is seen in creation. The Bible says that. The heavens declare the glory of God. Whenever you look at nature, creation, the universe, you think God's amazing. God's glory is known in his word. God's glory is known among his people, but supremely his glory is seen in the gospel that though he is God, he would lower himself and come down and be made a man and die on a cross because he loves us. What a God! He's full of glory. And so I want my neighbors, I'm beginning to want my neighbors, not just to have their sins forgiven, though that's utterly crucial. I want more than that for them. I want them to know the point of everything. I want them to have the one who is truly valuable, who is worth more than anything else. So God is greatly glorified when people come to know him and love him through the gospel. Charles Spurgeon said, the main object I should think of detaining the saints in this world must be that they bring others to the Lord Jesus Christ. God is much glorified by conversions. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Why? Should we engage in the mission? Why should we be interested in making Jesus known? Why should we get the good news out there? Because of the glory of God, that he be magnified, that he be seen where he's not currently seen. John Stott, I'll wrap up here. John Stott said, the highest of all mission motives, the highest, is neither obedience to the Great Commission important as that is, nor love for sinners who are alienated and perishing, strong as that incentive is, but rather zeal, burning and passionate zeal for the glory of Jesus Christ. If the question is why mission, the first and primary answer is the glory of God. Now here's my prayer. My prayer is that you will get a bigger view of God and be blown away by it. You might have been a Christian for 150 years. You might have been a Christian not yet. My prayer is this. You'll get such a big view of God, you'll be blown away. You'll see something of his glory, of his magnificence, of how vast he is, how loving he is, how wise he is, how amazing he is, that we'll be captivated by the glory of God. Lord, show me something more of your glory. And may I become a telescope who helps others to see the magnificence of what they can't currently see. Where does that land for you? Is it neighbors? Neighbours for me, is it your work colleagues, is it friends, is it family? Where does it land? Lord, help me to be captivated by your glory.
Perhaps we could stand if you can, please. Come on, let's pray together. Lord, show us your glory. Lord, show us your glory. Lord, help me to see appropriately the vastness and magnificence of God. Father, help me to see my neighbors, friends, colleagues' need of seeing the point of everything, which is you. Father, make me a telescope. Holy Spirit, empower me. The why of mission is first and foremost the glory of God. Lord, captivate this church with the glory of God. Motivate us. Excite us. Make us dissatisfied without a bigger, more real view of the glory of God.